Chris Kowser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first run, Matt and I engage with the hypothesis that asks, can you make a whole movie about one chapter of a book? It's a moment in time for the Lord of the Undead, Matt. Ahoy there, mateys. We got us a Dracula. It's the last voyage of the Demeter. Then there's another animated movie based on a beloved property. This time, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. The boys are back in town, Matt, with an animated reboot. Is 2D animation back, baby? Then there's the garlic-loving rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show with our five favorite movie vampires. So come on in, folks. All you ghouls and gals. It's another episode of the first run. Packed to the gills with monsters and mutants. Just the way you like it. Here's a clip from The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Final voyage. Last? Which one? Last. It's the last. last. We'll go with yeah. last. In my notes, I have it like... I alternate it like three times because I am smart. It is spoken in my village of an evil that lives in the mountains above. Evil. An evil that appears as a man when it wants to hide its true nature. And that night, he feeds on the blood of the innocent. The elders, they made bargains for the safety of our people. You were given to this man. It is not a man. Then an animal. No, it is not some mindless animal either. Do not make that mistake. We call him Dracula. And you, you believe that he brought you on board? Why? He brought me here to feed. He is here, Mr. Clements. The thing that wears the skin of a man. In the night, it drinks our blood that he is on this ship. Which means that we will never leave it. They're never gonna leave, Matt. They're stuck. It's over. You're not getting off that boat, baby. Mm-mm. Matt, what is... I guess you can kind of piece it together. The last voyage of the Demeter all about. Well, uh, as Chris pointed out, in... A portion of Dracula. Uh, they have to get Dracula from Transylvania to London. And the best way to do that is on a ship. Where, where as you're a vampire, you can't go out and kill a bunch of people. You gotta kind of stick with what you got on the ship. So that's what happens in the book. He cleans out the crew. So spoiler alert for, you know, a hundred something year old novel. Dracula cleans out the crew. Well, this film posits what if... We talked about that for an hour and a half to two hours, and that's what we get. <laughs> Matt, so the writer of this, Braggy Shoot or Shoot Jr., excuse me, uh, had this idea, and I think did a, a kind of a, a rough draft script script of it like twenty years ago. Wow, not thirty years ago. I don't know. It's it's been decades. He's okay. been wanting to make this thing, and I got to tell you. When we first saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this looks this looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm interested in this idea. Right. Taking a chapter out of this story uh, and developing it into a feature. And it does kind of give you a little teaser of a potential sequel opportunities, though, given the box office performance. I do not think that's going to happen. Maybe we could see a, a uh, straight-to-DVD release, mm-hmm. you know, like the, uh, the last carriage ride of uh, the... I guess it wouldn't be the Demeter. I don't know. Because you do that weird 
legend kind of not legend but philosophical question with it like can you get a piece of the boat and you build something else out uh, of it is it the, still the ship, like, the like, ship of Theseus? Like if you replace yeah the piece the boat and you keep doing it yeah. like every some event is it the same boat type right. of a thing yeah right. well, this this has nothing to do with that but could you create something <laughs> else out of the demeter so it continues on in the stories sure i like that was a really roundabout way to get to where you're trying to go thank you <laughs> succinct and to the point mm-hmm so what do you think, Matt? What do you th- what are your thoughts on the last voyage of the Demeter? And then like focusing on chapter a chapter of a well known story of a book and expanding a future film out of that. I think it's an interesting concept. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a concept. I think it's pretty cool. Kind of taking this piece of a very well known story that's been done dozens of times. I think uh, I watched Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula not too long ago, but maybe three six months ago something like that and like this little section is like it literally takes place in narration where they just kind of show you know them dumping the bodies over the side and then it basically a, a ghost ship that rolls up into the harbor and you know i think that is kind of cool for an idea that maybe that is something that could be expanded out but then when you kind of really get into it you're in a complete bottle episode, essentially. Everything takes place on the ship. It's only so big. There's only so many people. You kind of know what where it's all going to go. It's really just a matter of how we get there. Yeah. And I don't know if the writer's reach exceeded his grasp. If, like, he could have used... I would assume that he's been rewriting this thing for the past 30 years. Or I don't know if he just slapped down his first idea and was like, done. And just started shopping it around and finally got picked Mm up. Um, It's got its moments. But overall, it's a little flat. I don't think the the premise can really support this, what he's trying to go for. I I think a premise could. Maybe in a better written film. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a film maybe that's directed with a little more spark, a little more pizzazz, as the kids say nowadays. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I think that's part of the issue. So it's... I think it has some, like you said, some really interesting kind of moments. I think the character design um, for Drac is good. It's mm-hmm. solid. I mm-hmm. like him kind of as a monster who can somehow disguise himself as a human being, I guess, if he needs to. And, but, and they do some interesting stuff. Not, I don't know if it's interesting, but some, you know, it's enjoyable stuff like when he's standing, it's raining out and the people are on the on the deck of the boat and they can't really make out what the figure is, that type of thing. And they do a pretty good job of slowly revealing Dracula uh, throughout the film. Obviously, I wasn't a big fan of the killing of a dog. Just a little teaser for you. Usually <laughs> something drops down a, a little bit of a grade if you kill a dog, but that's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I agree with you. I, you know, I, I enjoyed having a monstrous Dracula. Mm-hmm. And I think the design of the creature and the shooting of him, how he's revealed to us and portrayed, I think it's effective and I think it's creepy and it mostly works. It, but the film itself, just like you said, that's my exact note. It's a little flat. I mean, even though no one is safe and you're familiar with the story, mm-hmm. it's still dull. And I think maybe that's maybe what you say when you're talking about the trappings or at least the conceit of the film is that we know that no one's getting off. Right. And though we do get one person that gets off, like we said, there's sequel potential there. They're going to continue to hunt down Dracula. Did I tell you my story about the, the piece of the Demeter? Maybe if you do something else with it, have I talked about that yet? Yeah. Is it still the Demeter? Okay. Yeah, yes, you have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it, it's just, it's dull. You know, and it, it, it slowly kind of tackles a bunch of the classic 
vampire lore a little yeah. bit here and there. You got to get the sunlight thing. No gra- no garlic, um, no silver, nothing like that. But, you know, there's little things here and there. But there's no consistent ominous feel to it. Right. You know, it's just it's just there. And overly, it, overall, it's just a, a entirely unremarkable, I think, experience, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I think... When I first saw the trailers for this, I was kind of intrigued like you are. But the more I kind of resaw the trailer or I kind of saw things, I'm like getting more and more, eh, I'm not so sure about this film. So I was mm-hmm. hoping for the best, but I think I ended up for the worst. Um, but can I ask you a question, Chris? Can I ask you a philosophical question about the vampire genre? I would love for you to. Okay. So what do you think is more successful or where do you think that this should go? Do you think where you, a vampire story where they lean into the monstrous aspect of vampires, like 30 Days of Night or Near Dark, where they really kind of lean into the kind of the the, the feeding on humans and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. versus it being more of an allegory where, you know, you're somebody who's different, who doesn't fit in, who's ostracized by society. And the, the, the monstrous parts and the horror parts are there, but it's not really about those things at, at its at its core, like a let the right one in or, you know, only lovers left alive, things like that. Which do you think is the better way to kind of approach this? Because I've got to tell you, I don't know that the first way is the way that it should be done. They seem to be much more hit or miss if you kind of approach it that way. Yeah, or, or even I like it too, possibly as a metaphor for other societal ills, mm-hmm. uh, be some kind of contagion, some sexually transmitted disease type of a thing I think would be really good as well. Um, so I'm on record of saying that I want my Dracula to be monstrous. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of the weepy, and I, and then you, you rightfully called me out on Twitter uh, on that as well, because <laughs> I, I dropped, I mentioned... Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman, which that whole thing is him, right? Mourning the loss of his love. Yeah, there's some high, high romantic melodrama in that film. It's crazy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that's what it is. Is I don't want my vampires being teen pop idols, I think is what it is. That's okay. what I don't want. And I don't know if I want any effete. Is that the term? I don't mm-hmm. know. Kind of your your little stats. Mm-hmm kind of a thing either sure now i'm all all you know i think i was wrong about that even though i liked i wanted to be able to become a monster maybe but i want this the seduction the seducer dracula i want my frank langella mm-hmm. kind of dracula that's what i'm looking for right even bella yeah bella had a little dusting of that as well but yeah i think that's the way to go i think like most horror most really good horror for the most part that's commenting on the current state of affairs in society. I think a Dracula can be very, or any vampire can be very good with that. But I think I was wrong about that initially. I think I want, after seeing this, um, your 30 days of night, which I think has some kind of fan appreciation, but I just, I don't remember being very good at all. Mm -hmm. But then I don't, where would you throw in like near dark in that scenario then? Yeah, I think Near Dark walks a really good line because I think when it's they, more Western, really, than it is. Right? Yeah, I think it's more like when they kind of let loose, it is incredibly cruel and monstrous and everything like that. But at the same time, they're kind of reveling in the kind of uh, forbidden taboo things of humanity that they can get away with whatever they want, kind of thing. Right. So I think it's, I think what we're saying is, I think we want it 
we want our vampires to be predators, but we want them to have a sl- just a sliver of recognizable humanity. Whereas if they're just complete monsters, it doesn't work quite as well. I mean, I think yeah. if we're going to go complete monster, I'd much rather watch like a werewolf film. But I think mm-hmm. you need that kind of undercurrent of that last little bit of humanity that they're holding on to for better or worse. That's yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I could be. I'd be on board for a vampire that is soulless and evil, like a Christopher Lee Dracula. I don't think I need... But, he wasn't so much concerned about, I don't know, having any empathy for humanity. No, but he definitely... He was kind of embodying his, you know, our baser natures, feeding, you know, enjoying the hunt. Like he had like, he wasn't just like an animal. He wasn't like a, a he was like kind of relying on those kind of negative parts of a human emotion, but they were still recognizably human. They were just kind of taken way, way beyond anything that we would find acceptable. That's fine. Okay. I thought you were going more of a route like, oh, woe is me. I am a vampire. My life is I mean, I think shame that, and darkness. I think that could be valid. I mean, look at Let the Right One In. I mean, that's basically what that story is, the tragedy of it all, right? It yeah. can work. It's just a matter of you just don't like Anne Rice and, and Twilight and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just don't I want no. I don't want any glistening. I don't want any <laughs> shimmer. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. What, about, uh, what else? Oh, did you ever read the book? I read the book in high school, the original uh, Dracula? Dracula. And I remember really enjoying it and watching this, having this one chapter kind of fleshed out, made me think, man, I really should read that again. Because from what I understand, it is still a banger and still holds up, if that's something you could say about some literature that's, I don't know how many centuries old at this point. You know what? A banger is always a banger. You just got to get it on its wavelength. I, I haven't read it in a long time, but I have read it. It's, it's quite good. Yeah. So... Good times, Matt. What are your, um, what was it? Written in 1897 mm. when it came out, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay. I feel like I'm flailing here. I have nothing else really to add at this point. Yeah. Um, anything, uh, anything else you want to Not really. there with? Not really. I, I think we'll get deeper into our vampire discussion towards the end of the show, but I think I'm going to give this a C minus. I think that's where I'm landing on this. Fair enough. Um, I also forgot to say that, um, Aisling Franciosi is in this, who was in a really rough set of a movie a while ago, a couple years ago, called The Nightingale, mm. that is one of the more unforgettable moments I've had in the theater in quite a while. Uh, if you want to watch that film, but it's very difficult. Um, it's a, it's, it's a um, murder-rape-revenge film in the West. <laughs> so uh, just keep that in mind. And of course, Liam Cunningham, one of my favorite character actors. So um, it was good to see him. He was the captain. And then, of course, you have uh, Dustin Melchian, right, who uh, pops up in a lot of stuff. He was, um, what was he in Suicide Squad? The Rainbow Guy? Polka Dot Man? Polka Dot Man. Yeah, right. So that's that, Matt. C for me. So you're at a C minus. I'm at a C. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I get a, I get a full. That's funny because I would have done. I had it at a C plus before, but that whole dog thing really bothered me. But I liked, I liked the Dracula. I thought the monster was pretty good. So, whatever. All right, Matt. Physical media. August twenty second. There's a. Ooh, this is not the clip, but there is a major announcement that I am all giddy about. But first, uh, let's listen to this. Okay, look. You know how you're always talking about how you can simulate all that stuff in your computer. You know. What's the difference? Why can't we simulate a girl? I don't know. I I guess I could, but why? It's two-dimensional on the screen. It's, it's not flesh and blood, Gary. 
Well, I know that, but you know, we can we can use it, Wyatt. We can ask it questions. We can we can put it in real life sexual situations and see how it reacts. You're like, we're sick to manage shit. You'd love it. Well, what about your girl in um Canada? She was in Canada. This girl's no morals. You know, I don't I don't like that on a girl. I, it's rough having those kind of relationships, you'll see. <clears throat> anyway, get to work. Yeah, that's right, kids. Weird Science is being released in 4K this upcoming Tuesday. That is August 22nd. I'm not going to buy this. Yeah, talk about an 80s film that did not age well. And I think, loyal listeners are the first one, if you want to hear a much younger Chris and Matt discuss the films, I think we did talk about this way long, long time ago at the very big start of the film. So I, it was for some marathon we were doing, and okay. I think I think that's we watched it then. I don't even remember that. I'll have to take your word for it. That yeah. is crazy, Matt. But the big, big announcement that I'm really excited about and so excited that I know I'm going to eventually be disappointed because just <laughs> that's what life is, just a series of disappointments. Oh, boy. Is Guess Who's Back supposedly releasing an, an horror anthology film this year? I think it's this year, maybe next year. Uh, John Carpenter. No, no, Matt. We did a bunch of these for our horror marathon. Was it last year, two years ago? We did a yeah, we did anthologies. yeah, we did horror anthologies. Yeah, Amicus uh, rising up from the grave to okay. release a horror anthology. I tweeted this out a little while ago that Amicus is their horror anthologies are kind of like they're just a balm to me. They're like comfort films for me. I'm not sure what they are, why that is. Uh, I have always enjoyed them. You have your your asylums, your House of Drip Blood, the. Uh, Doctor, I, I'm blanking on the name of it now, but there's 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 their torture garden, and um, I'm forgetting the name of, of one of the other ones. Either way, great great stuff. All of them really kind of fun family fair, and the one I'm forgetting the title of with the doctor too is the one where there's like a plant that's like alive and it kind of conquers this little village in in is it Ireland, Scotland, and it eventually kind of takes over the world. But just one scene where it. Anyway, it's it's a weird, crazy little sh- you know part of the anthology, but I think all of them are fantastic. Though I think uh, Tales from the Crypt and uh, From Beyond the Grave are probably my two favorites. Um, Vault of Horror, I should say too. Doctor Terror's House of Horrors. That's it. What it is. So um, that's one I couldn't remember. But great, great stuff. So I'm very excited to see what comes up, Matt. All right, I don't know. Oh, my list is all screwed up. All right, let's just uh, stick this now. And then remember, all right, so I did get my laptop back, everybody. I just don't know if this is going to work um, for the clips. So let's see if, if, if this pulls off here. Number five. Oh, I think that worked. All right, Matt. Julia Louis-Dreyfus features in You Hurt My Feelings. She plays a novelist whose marriage starts to deteriorate after she overhears her husband offering a frank assessment of her work. Um, Mrs. First Run and I actually started rewatching Veep two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that show is still hilarious. So if you haven't ever seen Veep, check that out. It's currently available on Max. Did you ever see Veep, Matt? It was one of those shows I tried to get into. I watched a couple episodes. I thought they were pretty good, and I just moved on to other things. I just never came back to it. That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. Four. Shout Factory is releasing Michael Crichton's Coma, featuring Michael Douglas, Genevieve Jold, and Rip Torn. Brand new 2K restoration of that one, as well as a new audio commentary. What else, Matt, do we have coming up here? Get three coffins ready. Huh? 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 Oh, one of my favorite Paul Schrader films with uh, George C. Scott. Hardcore being released on Blu-ray. It's been out of print for a very long time. 
Scott plays a uh, Midwestern businessman dad who has to venture into the sordid underworld of pornography in California and to look to try and find his runaway teenage daughter who is now making adult films. Includes a commentary by writer, director, Paul Schrader, and more, Matt. But that's that classic line. I don't think I have it here, do I? I don't think I... That's a good clip I should pull, though. But turn it off! Turn it off! <laughs> you ever seen Hardcore? No, I haven't. Yeah, Scott's fantastic in it. He's just so over the top, and it's really a, just a weird, weird movie that I can't recommend enough. Uh, what else we have there, Matt? Let's see here. I don't have my 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 little remote keypad thing isn't working, folks. So we got to do this manually. Looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought too too many. Matt Criterion is putting out Bo Weiderberg's new Swedish cinema. It includes The Baby Carriage, Raven's End, Elvira Madigan, and Adeline 31. Brand new restorations of all the films. A new introduction by the director. New interviews uh, and more. And then finally, Matt, let's go with your number one. There can be only one. It's going to be The Blackening, uh, which we did not get to check out. I hear it's relatively good. Mm. Uh about a group of uh, seven black friends. They go away for the weekend only to find themselves trapped in a cabin met with a killer who has a vendetta. Will their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies help them stay alive? Probably not. There's going to be a steelbook release of this as well. It's an audio commentary and then some making of featurettes as well as Who is the Blackest? A game show but that was done in the film. Matt, your 4K releases. We talk about weird science. Nightmare Before Christmas is being released includes uh, a steel book if you want to buy it from best buy hackers getting a release in 4k again a steel book with best buy as well the uh, uh film with kate blanchett uh, elizabeth is being released antonio banderas Catherine zeta jones and legend of zorro and then finally years too late for me promising young woman is being released as well the film uh by um i'm blanking on her name now featuring carrie mulligan so uh, you can pick that up. And then uh, finally, Matt, I wanted to say, too, you know what I bought today? Mm. I pre-ordered it because I thought the packaging looked so cool, even though I'm not a Steelbook guy. But Best Buy announced today they're releasing a uh, Steelbook of Megan. Mm. But I think it, it's a cool cover, and also it comes with like an owner's manual for Megan in it as well, <laughs> and a couple little trinkets that I just thought, oh, that's pretty cool. So, And I haven't bought Megan yet, and it does include the unrated cut of the film, which I still haven't seen. So you're straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going with Spirit Halloween, the movie. Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook star, Matt. When a Halloween store opens in a deserted strip mall, three friends thinking they've outgrown trick-or-treating decide to spend the night locked inside. But their night of spooked, filled fun soon turns to outlandish survival. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Well, if you want to watch a new film that we both rather enjoyed as a return to form, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City is available on Peacock if you're one of the handful of people like myself who have Xfinity and they give you Peacock for free to go along with it. You can check it out there. Also, my esteemed co-host was talking about on Twitter uh, the Matthew McConaughey vehicle Killer Joe. And I was like, man, I haven't seen that in a long time. And it's, you know what? Is it out there? Yes, it is. You can watch it on Pluto if you want to for free with ads. Also Plex, but I don't know how Plex works. There you go. Man, Killer Joe's good. I've been meaning to catch up with that one again for a while now. And before we go on, Chris, I just want to to put it out there for the folks. Uh, I did check the TFR archive, which you can find on uh, thefirstrun.com. And episode 300 with our return guests of... uh, 
former co-host uh, Chris Esposito came and we discussed weird science along with 10 Cloverfield Lane as a part of a 10 film 80s marathon that we did seven years ago. We did 10? Yeah. You want to hear this this rundown of what we did? So sure. we watched Masters of the Universe, uh, mm-hmm. The Monster Squad, mm-hmm. Labyrinth, sure. nice. uh, Better Off Dead, okay. Willow, which you hated, uh, <laughs> Footloose, Weird Science, mm-hmm. Batman 1989, Flight of the Navigator, and then weirdly wrapped it up with Spies Like Us. Ooh. All right. That sounds like it was fun. <laughs> What would have prompted us to do that? Were we just revisiting films from that we enjoyed as kids? Mm, I, I think it was. Yeah, I forget why. I mean, the 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 whys are lost to the sands of time. Maybe we talk about it on that that first episode. There you go. You can find that there. Yep, firstrun.com. There you go. TF archive. All right, Matt. Let's uh, keep rolling. I know Matt saw this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I just caught up with this past weekend, and uh, let's spend a few minutes talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Master Splinter has given us a very important mission for tonight. The target is across the street. We must use stealth and cunning to infiltrate the human world and retrieve... Gogurt. Okay, Batman. Dude, what? I'm just trying to hype you guys up, okay? Get that list, okay? What else are we getting? Four quarts of non-fat milk, nice. ice cream, yeah. fruits and veggies, and no. a party-sized bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. I like cheese yeah. puffs. He was very specific about the party size. He underlined it twice. All right, Donnie, you're on toiletries. Raph, you're stocking up the pantry. And Mikey, you're on junk yes, food. Thirsty. And remember, don't let any human see you. Because why? Humans, Humans are, are the, the demon scum of the earth. Avoid them. Don't, don't say hi. They lust to murder that which is different from them. To interact with them is to die. And hey, I know that's objectively prejudiced, but that's what Dad taught us. Uh, I think humans seem kind of cool, to be honest. Beyonce, Drake, that guy's the goat of all time. I would love to have a champagne brunch with Tom Brady. Guy Fieri seems like a fun hang. And I've always wanted to go to Flavortown. Look, we all think humans are cool, but we got a job to do. Let's go! Let's hey, I'm the leader of the video. You sound like you have bronchitis. So there you go, Matt. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. It is yet again another reboot of the TMNT franchise. We had the original live action film, right? Mm-hmm. There's a cartoon show. Obviously, this all started with the comics back when they all had red masks mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. Uh, but still. Then uh, then we had the uh, reboot with uh, Michael Bay, right? He did two films, I think, yeah, as well. Sure, sure. And uh, now here we are with a 2D animated reboot here, Matt. Now, listen, my question for you, Matt. Let me actually, let's talk about what the film's about real fast, okay? So this time, the turtles are still relatively new, right? Mm -hmm. They're still relatively new in their adventures. They haven't really gotten any big spats as of yet. And then uh, a certain Baxter Stockman, uh, who has created the mutagen kind of... Basically, he's trying to create his own mutant animal family, and he starts with a housefly, and he gets uh, interrupted and by this Utram Utram Strike Force, which comes to play later on. And if you're any if you're familiar at all with the the Turtles franchise, you know that means something much bigger than what it portends to or what it looks like in the film that we're talking about. And uh, basically, the the Turtles get sucked into this whole thing where they want to try and be heroes, come out to the world, and do so by basically confronting and stopping all these new mutants that have certainly all popped up and uh, try and save the day. So that's that, Matt. So, Matt, we had one other, I think, pretty large 2D animated film released earlier this year mm-hmm. that Matt was a huge fan of, as was I. And, of course, was was it Across the Spider-Verse? Am I right about that? Uh, into the Spider-Verse, right? 
that was into it? The first one was across? No, I think you're right. I think it is across the Spider-Verse. We're terrible. There you go. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so the new Spider, the new Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. And now we have yet another artistic, re- artistically rendered animated film, this time featuring Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Matt, what are your thoughts on TMNT Mutant Mayhem? Is 2D animation back, baby? Do we need to put that Pixar stuff back on the shelf? And now is this breathe new life these two films into this style of animation that is a little more artsy a little more esoteric and mm-hmm. out there now instead I mean, of being trying to be so hyper realistic was, was was uh 2d animation ever really gone i mean didn't does like the disney frozen moana stuff is that all considered three-dimensional i thought that was kind of all kind of pixar light mm. and not like this kind of stuff sure yeah i guess maybe it's more this is more of a throwback like to more like a hand type stuff like a hand-drawn and... kind of look as opposed to being obviously computer kind of thing although this is all done on computers anyway right um but i digress i i guess so i mean i think two is two is uh, too early to say i don't know how this thing did in the box office but i will say this i i don't think it's, it's nowhere near as good as the spider-verse film but i think there's enough here to kind of keep your interest there are parts that kind of Maybe I'm too old to kind of get, uh, or it's a little too on my, on your lawn kind of thing. But for the most part, it's cute. It has heart. Um, it has some really fun action scenes. It has some funny um, dialogue, and they take some pretty you know interesting liberties with the story to kind of really point out, really lean into the ridiculousness of it all. So like mm-hmm. you know they learn their they're fighting from basically watching YouTube videos and, and stuff like that and, and, and Kung Fu films. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of heart in it. And I think overall Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg did a, you know, a really good job kind of paying attention to something that they really enjoy. And I think this is something that should have pretty broad appeal. I will say that my daughter really liked it as opposed to, you know, who's never seen really much of anything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. That's good. We got the kid vote then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's fun. It's exciting. It's lovable. It's endearing. And it's very, very funny. I laughed out loud quite a few times watching this. And uh, it's, I like a lot of the decisions, not only the art, the artwork in it here. And it's, it's not as, esoteric and kind of out there as like the spider-verse film is that mm. was a whole thing where like each character had its own uh color scheme and style and everything you know this this world is kind of built it's consistent kind of all the way through for the most part uh but i like a lot of decisions i like that it kind of it feels very fresh and new to me it leans heavily on this kind of almost 90s urban hip-hop feel to it as well I think having actual kids voicing them, I think, was a brilliant idea. They have a very diverse cast as well. And I think it's, though not as experimental as Spider-Verse, I think it creates its own path, Matt. And I think it actually, it's easier to digest and enjoy, I think, than the Spider-Verse film is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it has a wider appeal than that film does. And it's clearly my favorite interpretation of this property I've seen yet. I think this is the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon, movie, whatever the case may be, that you can get is this film. It features also a great score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which I really enjoyed. 
We even get a Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. We get a little Ninja <laughs> rap in here for a split mm. second, which I enjoyed, right? And I want to say this too, Matt. This, for me, was the best performance I think Ice Cube has ever given. Mm. A Superfly? Yes. <laughs> he seems born for this role, and mm-hmm. he is fantastic in this film. It's the best thing I've ever seen him in. I don't know if that's because I had recently watched Ghosts of Mars for Screen Run, right. which he was atrocious in. <laughs> But here, I mean, every time I could not wait for him to to pop back up on screen. I was so looking forward to him every time he showed up. Yeah, but you ha- you famously haven't seen Boys in the Hood, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not I th- it's famously. <laughs> it's not like not a lot of people know that. Well, I mean, we've mentioned and I haven't it seen several Friday. times on the show, and you haven't seen Friday. Yeah, I think he's. Re- I think you're right. I think he is a highlight of this film, and he's really good at it. I don't know if it's the best thing. I guess. It's fair for you to say it's the best thing you've seen him in because, yes. I mean, his later career output is even more. You liked him even in this better than you liked him in uh, the 20, 21 Jump Street series as the crotchety captain? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. In fact, the, the, what makes that film so good is, is Channing Tatum mm-hmm. is what makes him that film so good. Mm-hmm. And his that ding reaction with Jonah Hill in him is still one of my favorite comedic moments of the past, like, 25 years. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think it's, yeah. Now, granted, like you said, I got to catch up with some of his, the rest of his oeuvre. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, yes, I enjoyed the heck out of him in this film. And it's got Maya Rudolph in it. John Cena's in this. Rogan does show up. Rose Byrne. During Carol Esposito. Of course, Jackie Chan plays uh, Splinter, mm-hmm. which is fun. Ice Cube, we talked about. Paul Rudd is in it. Hannibal Burris. I mean, there's a lot of people who are in this film, too. Yeah. Some minor characters, some people that pop up. But, yeah, I don't know, Matt. What about your thoughts, then? Did you enjoy that kind of, just the overall vibe of the film, what they were going for, the animation, all that stuff? Yeah, I thought, I mean, the at first I thought they were kind of trying to cop the uh, Spider-Verse style, but then it really kind of became its own thing. And I, I do think they hit the perfect kind of vibe of the film. I mean, it's it's funny. It's exciting. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's not really making fun of the source material. I think it's quite good. Um, And I also, uh, I caught the other day Good Boys uh, on on TV. I just watched it, and that that film has a lot of problems, or it doesn't, it has its moments, but it isn't great. But the voice of Raphael is Brady Noon, who is Thor from from the Good Boys film, the singer with the spiky hair. Oh, okay, nice. Mm Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Good times. So, great, Matt. Um, a couple of things I thought were fun, too. The villain in the film, Cynthia Utram, if you're not the uninitiated, Utram is the, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is the name of Krang's, like, species, mm-hmm. alien species. So, and she has the glasses kind of thing. So, you know, I think it wouldn't if they make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I think they've announced they're going to make one. It's done pretty well. It costs 70 bills to make. It's yeah. cleared, I think, 100. Okay. Uh, and I think it'll do well uh, on home video and streaming and a bunch of stuff after that as well. So, I think we will get one. Um, but, yeah. So, I'm thinking she's going to be like whatever that robot kind of casing body is. We'll get yeah. that reveal in the next film. And we do get, of course, a mid credit sequence. Another spoiler, folks. Uh, Shredder. Mm-hmm. Does show up. I got to admit, I was a little disappointed we didn't get him in the film in its entirety. But it's nice to have him teased uh, for the next film. And like I said, I had a, a wonderful villain that I fell in love with. So um, it does tease things a little bit, right? So Baxter Stockman isn't actually the the fly character mm-hmm. in the film, right? right so no. they do take some liberties with stuff like you said. But I think the decisions work. 
and it's a successful film, Matt. I'm giving it a B plus. You know what? We're just on the same wavelength. I'm gonna give it a B plus as well. I think it's a it was a pleasant surprise because I didn't have much high expectations for this film. There you go, folks. If you had a chance to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, blah blah blah. Some people like to say that. Others say Mutant Mayhem. You could check us out. Check it out in the theaters now. Uh, we'd hope to hear your thoughts. Just an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, baby. 2D animation is back, even though Matt says it never really went away. So <laughs> that's fine. All right, Matt, let's close out the show and share our five favorite movie vampires. I'm kind of curious where you went, how you went with this one, so this will be fun. Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her, for she has begun to feel the awful horror of the hunger. John Blaylock, the hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock, she feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting, and soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. And life signs terminate right here. Matt, that of course is the trailer for The Hunger. Mm. I had to trigger, find a trigger way to put out a way to. Boy, I can't talk tonight. I can't. Figure out a way to get John Blaylock in this countdown because he mm. wasn't going to be in my top five. All right, right, let's be honest. Right. But I had to make a David Bowie reference somehow. So we have that hunger clip there, Matt. Tony Scott's directorial debut featuring Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon, as well as Bowie himself. So, uh, yeah, I finally caught up with this a few years ago and I rather enjoyed it. Have yeah. you ever seen The Hunger? I have seen The Hunger. I. It's very of its time. It's very eighties. Mm. It's very kind of uh, got a got a vibe. It's on its own vibe. I very would say it's, like. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but it's an interesting watch. Absolutely, Matt. All right, so I'll go first. I'll get you the ultimate number one. All right, Matt, and I'm number five then, and I'm not going to elaborate at all about it, but it's going to be Countess Ariana von Karlstein. Uh, which is uh, Lena Romay in Female Vampire. And just Google it, and that's all I'm going to say. Matt, very influential on a very young Chris in his early teens. Let's put it that way. Okay, I've, I've never seen it, so we will have to go from there. It's a uh, Jess Franco film. That should okay. tell you all you need to know. Very good. I figured it was something to that, to that effect. Um, all right, so my number five then is uh, Jerry from Fright Night. I'm going to go with the Colin Farrell version of uh, Jerry from Fright Night. I think he really... Colin Farrell really brings just a lot of joyful sleaze to the role that I just really, really enjoyed. He seemed like he was having a grand old time chasing down uh, Tony Collette and Imogene Poots and uh, uh, Anton Yelchin. I thought it was, uh, again, a surprisingly good remake that, it, may I say, maybe even better than the original. Um, but Ooh, Jerry, Jerry is... Is that shots fired for fans. you? Yeah. No, no, not for me. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but you may get some cult movie fans pretty upset. There's That film's got a following. That's fine. Um, I would say the acting across the board is head and shoulders pretty much of anything that's said in the original Fright Night. Uh, 
even if you kind of give it the 80s uh, pass or kind of like look at it from that lens, it's it's a pretty hokey movie. Yeah, I, I would if I had to give anybody the a better performance, it may be Roddy McDowell over yeah. uh, is it David Tennant? Tennant David name? Tennant, yeah. But that's just because McDowell is just kind of purposely so over the top in that film. Yeah, and I just enjoy that performance. But you've got Dave Franco showing up being his usual sleazebag dick self, so that's that's fun. That's true. All right, Matt, my number four. Then yeah, we talked about him. You know him. You love him. And that's Gary Oldman as Dracula and mm. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I know I have issues, but I think the issue is when it's Winona Ryder, I kind of, I'll, I'll give you an exception <laughs> to go ahead and to pine over a young a woman for centuries. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get it. Uh, plus, you get a little Monica Bellucci in that film as well, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. But I still think, yeah, I think that Oldman brings kind of a, uh, a depth and sorrow to the character that I actually appreciated it's one of the few versions of a vampire of Dracula that is that kind of weepy and sad that I actually kind of got swept up into. But it's Coppola, really, in the end. That is the grand epic version of uh, Dracula. So, yeah. yeah, I struggle with that film. There's a lot of things I don't like about it. There are things that I love about it. I think Oldman is great. I think it has some really, really good visuals in certain parts. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Lucy Pender after she turned scene yeah. and uh, when he's visiting the castle and the shadows kind of moving around Jonathan Harker and all that kind of stuff. It's all really, really cool. But Winona Ryder's not great. And if, if there's anybody mm. who you would think would be, if you'd say to yourself, no one can do a worse British action than Winona Ryder, then here comes Keanu Reeves. And it's <laughs> it's just, it's just when, when Oldman is not on the screen, the film just kind of collapses. And it's, it's... It's got its problems, um, yeah. but it's an interesting watch. Well, that's why the movie's not in my top five, but old movies. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So then my number four then is, I think the maybe the only comedic uh, version on this on this list is Viago, which is the character played by Taika Waititi and What yeah. We Do in the Shadows. I was going back and forth between him and Jermaine Clement's character, but what really sold it for me and what really sold this entire movie for me is where he's talking about how hard it is for him to find victims. And he has the woman over and he's sitting there just hat chatting it up. Like he's on a date and he's laying out newspaper, like on the ground around her, <laughs> like as, as he's doing it. And then he attacks her and he like, he screws it up and like just geysers of blood going everywhere. It's just, it was so damn funny watching that, that, that scene. Uh, I just think as this kind of hapless, ultimately nice guy kind of vampire that's just forced to feed on people, Taika Waititi really kind of brings it home with Viago. Yeah, he's an honorable mention for me. I love, too, when I was going through and researching this list, that he based his character on his mom. <laughs> oh, really? That's yeah, funny. which is very funny to me. So, yeah, honorable mention for me, though. Uh, then my number three, then, Matt may have mentioned it, it's uh, Colin Farrell as Jerry Dandridge. Mm. In Fright Night, I do actually enjoy Chris Sarandon in the original Fright Night, but and again, folks, stay tuned for the stinger this week. But uh, Colin Farrell in that, he's just so sleazy and sexy in that film, and he's just just ominous, and yeah. it, it is such a fun. But it's probably one of my favorite performances of his because mm-hmm. it is just so. You want to talk about chewing the scenery, just looks, and there's this the the clip that you'll hear in the stinger too. I watched it when I pulled it. Right at the end, when he's saying kind of his goodbye to uh, the, to um, Yelchin's character, 
and he looks at him through the hall, the door, because he can't come in if he, unless he's invited. And he right. looks around, looks at the door frame, looks around, gives him a little kind of this coy little look, and he goes, "All right," you know. And it's just, <laughs> it's just so cool. So, uh, yeah, Farrell's my uh, number three. His dandruff. Yeah, he is great. All right, so my it makes me want to watch the movie again this weekend. Yeah, I think I might have to pull it out again. I might have to pull out a few of these. Um, all right, so my number three then is uh, Catherine Bigelow's uh, Near Dark. Uh, I think the best uh, bit player in it is the incredible Bill Paxson, who always lights up the screen as Severin, the kind of wildest, filthiest biker version of a vampire in this kind of group of these wandering uh old west bounty hunter type uh, or you know gangster type vampires you know lance heinrichson is is cool and everything but yeah. man bill paxton severin just really sells that whole film and he is just freaking scary uh when they're like eating up the bar and he's got the sunglasses on and all the blood across his face it's just like an iconic image and it's it's so cool absolutely yeah i owned that film matt for almost on blu-ray for like eight years ten mm-hmm. years before i watched it I just actually, this was like a year ago, I finally sat down and watched it. And the funniest thing about it, too, is that I don't think I watched it on my Blu-ray. I think I watched it because it was on the Criterion channel. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Paxton Severn is my number two. Oh, okay. I mean, that finger-licking good scene, you know, that, like you just said, basically that bar scene sells that whole movie for you, basically. Mm-hmm. And it is, he is so dark and terrifying and having an absolute blast him and Farrell, really the two of them could go to a bar and just have a blast with each other getting loaded and just picking victims off one by one so uh but yeah paxton severin is my number two though i could flip-flop them really i don't know maybe i'll have to watch see what happens when i watch uh, uh fright night again so but yeah there you go all right all right so my number two then is ellie from uh let the right mm-hmm. one in playing obviously a vampire trapped in the body of a child essentially and kind of the struggles that go around with that and having to rely on an adult caretaker when ultimately you know they're this ageless ancient being and i think you know there's versions of this kind of character you know you've got claudia from from uh played by kirsten dunson an interview with a vampire and then you've got Chloe Grace Moretz playing a version of this very same character. And I think those are all good, but I think the original with Let the Right One In really kind of gets that kind of chilly menace that, you know, she's trying to be good and she's trying to suck in somebody else to kind of take care of her while preying on their weaknesses. And it really is just sad and and tragic and horrifying all at the same time. Yeah, no, that's a great one too. That's an honorable mention for me. I think one of the scenes... There's the carousel in the snow mm-hmm. and then the pool yeah. scene that just has stuck with me since I watched it. If you haven't seen it now, too, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point, but there was a big issue when that was first released on Blu-ray. I remember that they did a new, when it was released here in the States, they did a new um, subtitle mm-hmm. for it and it was bad. Yeah. Like it, they, you lost a lot of the uh, empathy and a lot of the emotion from the film with this new subtitle. And there was such an uproar that they fixed it. I think it was Magnet releasing, and they put out a new Blu-ray with updated subtitles. And the way you could know. So if you say you're looking at it, you want to buy this, and you're at a used store. If you want to get the right one with the correct original theatrical subtitles, the back of it, uh, the little UPC code will be yellow. Okay. 
All right. So if you're in the market for it at some point, make sure your UPC. I don't know. Maybe they change it after that. But I remember the original was white and the corrected subtitle had a yellow UPC code. I remember it was a big deal at the time in the uh, movie circles that Matt and I kind of run in because we're hip and cool. Yeah. Matt, my uh, number one then for me is the granddaddy of them all. It's the one I grew up with Mm -hmm. watching Channel 56 out of Boston, though I grew up in Connecticut. And they would have their monster movies every Saturday. And on regular rotation would be Christopher Lee in the Dracula films. And I'm going to go with the original one from 1958. Just good old Dracula. I think maybe known as Horror of Dracula as well, depending on, um, I think, in the UK. I can't remember. But either way, that first film with him, you have Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. And uh, Dracula, for me, will always be Christopher Lee. Just this tall, handsome, gothic, terrifying, classic British actor. And with that hammer aesthetic to it, that's why I love those films so much. That uh, it weird has this weirdly has this what kind of just almost like everything is a play as well. Um, I don't know if it's because of the set design stuff. It's a little cheap. Yeah. I'm not sure, but right. uh, still, it really adds uh, something to the uh, entire affair. So Christopher Lee's my one. All right. Well, my number one is the OG OG. Max Strutt playing Count Orlock from F.W. Murnau's silent film mm. version of Nosferatu. For my money, there is not a better depiction of a vampire on screen. The silent film really lays into his body movements, and they're incredibly otherworldly. Everything is done with makeup, and it is just so damn creepy that... you almost believe that this guy is a real vampire that they wouldn't dug up out of the Bavarian forest somewhere. Um, You know, the black forest in Bavaria somewhere and to to kind of film this film. Um, Basically a retelling of Dracula when they didn't have the rights to do so because it was not out of copyright yet. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't think there's a better depiction of, of a vampire on screen. And and so I, I think if you haven't seen it, Sit down, take the hour, and watch it. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube too. You can it's it's pretty readily available. I think it's out of it's out of copyright. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you you can watch it, but yeah, no, it it is super creepy, and it's an honorable mention for me uh, as well. It probably should be my number five, um, but uh, yeah. So now that is creepy as hell. No, one of the things I love about the two is that there's rumors that Max Trek didn't actually exist; wasn't a real person, mm-hmm. and it was actually an actor called Alfred Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of would moonlight though and do these kind of monster or weird kind of things as well. Yeah. Uh, under a pseudonym. So I always thought that was really interesting. I'm really looking forward to the Robert Eggers version of this too. Me and too. Uh, Defoe is, I guess, signed on to play. Is he, is he playing Nosferatu again, like in Shadow of a Vampire? Or I don't know. Is he just That's a, good a question. character in it? That's a good question. I don't question. think, I don't he, know. no, uh, Bill Skarsgård is Orlock. Okay. So there you go. Defoe is a Professor Albine Eberhardt von Franz. So maybe he's the, uh, uh, what's the professor's name? The doctor, the guy who's trying to kill him. Uh, Van Helsing? I just had it. Yeah, Van Helsing. Dear Lord, Chris. It's late, folks. I'm getting tired. <laughs> oh, Nicholas Holt. That'll be fun. Ooh, Willie Rose Depp. Aaron Taylor Johnson is in this as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. next. I'm hoping that'll be next year. I'll have to see what happens with the strike. Mm-hmm. Good times, Matt. Any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, so uh, Danny Houston as Marlowe in 30 Days of Night. It's not a great movie, but it's kind of animalistic take on the vampire and how inhuman it is is really um, something to watch. 
And uh, even though Chris hates it, and I think he's wrong in some instances, I'm going to go with Tom Cruise's performance as the vampire Lestat in Interview with a Vampire. Brad Pitt's not great, but I think Tom Cruise is a lot better than people give him credit for in this film. Fair enough. Um, I had Langella from uh, that, that Dracula, which I've always enjoyed. Uh, we talked about Oldman Lugosi. Hey, I got to go throw one out there for Bella as well. And then I had Willem Dafoe for Shadow of a Vampire. Shrek, of course, as well. Uh, Armir Poor in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic little vampire film. And then you talked about um, Ellie, Lena, uh, Lee Anderson in Let the Right One In. So uh, there you go. That's my list as well, Matt. Uh, who's your favorite movie vampire? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. Matt, what's coming up next week on The Big Shoe? Ooh, be still my beating heart. I can barely contain my excitement for yet another DC film with Blue Beetle. And it sounds like we may also possibly catch strays. There's a question mark on there, which, again, I don't have a lot of juice for, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I don't know about strays. I've heard some okay things about Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. We'll see. You know what? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me like 500 times or however many you know DC films there are, shame on you. Because literally every time one of these comes out, it's the best DC film I've ever seen. Dot, dot, dot. You know, every single time. Come on. Come on, Chris. Don't fall that's, for it, even if you want to. That's true. That's probably... <laughs> That's good advice. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And like Matt said earlier, you go over to TFR, thefirstrun.com. You can find the TFR archive. All the old shows are on there. The report card that the, in, that the intern still has not updated. And uh, more. So uh, that's it, Matt. Let's go ahead and take an extended break. Uh, you everybody uh, you everybody everybody take care of yourselves we love you very much and we'll see you all soon take care you don't mind my saying you got a lot on your shoulders for a kid the two of you alone and your girl amy she's ripe i bet there's a line of guys dying to pluck that your mom too. You don't see it. Maybe you do, but she's putting it out. It's on you to look out for them. You up for that guy?